Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... My main advice is to ensure you've got a solid customer proposition that will earn you sufficient trading revenue so you can fund at least 80% of your costs. Even a 20% gap is hard to fund every year. But if you can at least get to 80%, then you've got so much more freedom. And that needs to include the additional cost to service your social purpose agenda. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 410 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Cindy Carpenter. Cindy is chair of the Bread and Butter Project, Australia's first social enterprise artisan bakery, investing 100% of profits to provide training and employment pathways for refugees and asylum seekers. Cindy also leads the advisory groups supporting three other refugee-focused social enterprises, Community Construction, Food Lab, and Auntie Ginger Tonic. She co-founded the Work Integrated Social Enterprise Hub within Social Enterprise Australia, which advocates for payment by outcomes funding models for social enterprises and convenes a knowledge sharing group of refugee-focused social enterprises. She also sits on the national judging panel for the Westpac Foundation's Social Change Fellowship. Cindy is a board director for Community Refugee Sponsorship Australia and a member of the Governance Group for Settlement Council of Australia's Road to Belonging National Strategy. She also convenes a group of chief executive women to secure safe passage for Afghan career women to Australia via skilled visas and co-leads a diaspora group providing education and work opportunities for young women inside Afghanistan. Cindy was a principal and then general manager of Australia and New Zealand for the Boston Consulting Group before co-founding the strategy consulting firm Cast 13 years ago. She thrives on helping organisations achieve their boldest aspirations and has advised many corporates as well as not-for-profit and public sector organisations. Cindy has an MBA from AGSM where she was awarded a Commonwealth Scholarship with an exchange to the Wharton School of Finance in University of Pennsylvania. So, Cindy, that's an amazing biography. It's such a pleasure to have you on the line. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you, Tom. It's a great pleasure to be speaking with you. So, Cindy, let's hear a little bit more about your background. What was it that really led to this passion of yours in social enterprise? I think there were two forces, really. The first was that, and I think like many, just absolute disgust at Australia's offshore detention Mm. policy led me to the refugee cause And that led me to join the Bread and Butter board via a friend. And I suppose in that regard, I'm motivated by building grassroots support for refugees because I think both of our major parties are somewhat paralysed 
in an old rhetoric that perceives refugees as a threat. And in the face of that barrier, I thought the best way to address that is to build grassroots support for the refugee cause. I think that refugee-focused social enterprises are a terrific way to do that. And so for that reason, I lead or chair the advisory groups of the few that you mentioned and the broader group of refugee-focused social enterprises. And then the other force that really influenced my love of social enterprise is that I've been a management consultant for many years, mm. most of my working career, and I've been trained to maximise profit. And yeah. so I've been exposed to the negative side of that, of endangering people and planet through a, a blind pursuit of profit growth. Yes. Uh, it's very clear we can't keep doing business the way we've done it. And I'm and attracted to the capacity for social enterprise. It blends the best of business with strong social purpose for the good of people and planet. Yeah, yep, totally. That's really some great drivers there to be doing what you're doing and can very much share that disgust that you talk about. So as chair then and the former acting GM of the Bread and Butter Project, what is the organisation's purpose and what sort of impact is it creating now? The Bread and Butter Project trains refugees to be artisan bakers, professional bakers, we offer about a six to eight month fully paid training program yep. and during that time we will pay for their attendance at TAFE, tertiary education in baking, certificate in baking mm. and provide ESL tutoring, English tutoring on site Wonderful. and we also provide paid work placements and so we're thrilled to have over 90% retention through that program, 100% success in securing roles because there's a chronic shortage of bakers across Australia. It has been for years. Not many young Aussies want to get up at 3am and do a mix. So yeah. there's a shortage we're able to help fill it. And we've got greater than 95% satisfaction with the program. And I think we're most proud of that we've seen through research that Social Impact Hub did for us that we've got proven intergenerational impact as well. So we now train about 20 bakers a year these days. So going into the factories is such a pleasure to see that these people from all across the world, wherever there is strife, mm. uh, there's a trainee coming who's interested in becoming a baker. And often we have people who have quite different backgrounds and they've never baked, but they end up fully embracing it and surprised by how much they love the process of baking. It's very physical to bake sourdough and you're like pounding the dough and stretching it across the table and it's meditative, physical, but we're proud too that we have 50% of our trainees are women. I was going to say everyone loves bread. That's me talking about how much I love bread. But I mean, even if you look at the COVID time and people getting into the sourdough, right, it really is an art form to create it well. True. We, yeah, the, the starter is a family member. It's called yeah. George. And George came from Burke Street Bakery who launched Bread and Butter out of the goodness of their heart, having had an experience of setting up a bakery in an orphanage in Mysot on the edge of a refugee camp. And they brought that experience to Australia. Oh, what a great story. Talking a little bit more broadly now, Cindy, you are a speaker at this year's Social Enterprise World Forum in Amsterdam. So what is it that you're most looking forward to about the forum and, and being over there? Look, I loved attending SUF 22 in Brisbane, and I know you were instrumental in that, Tom, and I, I think just I applaud you and all of your colleagues. It was just wonderful to soak in the optimism and see the real-world successes of social enterprise, and I felt just such a sense of hope that we can do business responsibly. Mm. It's not 
abstract. It's concrete. We're doing it. And we can end disadvantage and environmental degradation through doing business in a much better fashion. And I love that social enterprises don't compete with each other. That's what having come from the corporate world and Boston Consulting Group is known for being leaders in competitive strategy. So I grew up with competitive strategy. And it's so fresh for me to be amongst a group of people that don't feel like they're competing. They feel like they're pulling in the same direction. And so what most excites me about SUF 23 is the opportunity to experience that across a greater number of international social enterprises and advocates. I'm so keen to learn from them, I, I can't tell you. Yeah, yeah, that is the beauty of the global community really coming together, right? And many of which have formed this sort of really tight-knit and lovely supportive of group. I'm just really looking forward to it. And it'll be great to see you over there too. Yes, thank you. Thank you, likewise. Social enterprise in Australia, Cindy, I know you've been witnessing this sort of landscape changing and you've been a really big part of helping grow the movement as well. So where do you see opportunities then to grow this business for good movement across Australia and more broadly overseas as well? I'm super proud of what we've done for many years, but but most particularly recently. Social enterprise in Australia is really coming into its own. There are now over 12,000 social enterprises across Australia. There's a beautiful report, PACE report. In fact, it's got bread and butter project on the front page. It's terrific snapshot by social traders and social enterprise Australia. Terrific snapshot of the social enterprise world in Australia. We've got a thriving peak body, a national strategy. We're squarely on the radar of most levels of government. And we now have sizable commitments to multiple grant and payment by outcomes trials to successfully scale social enterprises. A national accreditation scheme through social traders that's increasingly adopted by government and embraced by industry. The beautiful building blocks that took years and years to build but are coming together. Just so exciting in Australia. And I think the biggest opportunities to grow the business for good movement internationally is to encourage all governments to recognise the power of social enterprise to deliver effective social purpose outcomes. I think we're still fledgling in a lot of places. In some ways, we're still fledgling in Australia and we're pretty well developed. We're certainly fledgling as a sector in some countries. We need to encourage governments to provide funding, supportive procurements, policies, so that we can scale a very efficient and effective way to address disadvantage. And secondly, encouraging all large corporates to support social enterprise especially through their procurement agenda, they can make a serious difference. I'm not sure they're aware that it's actually relatively easy for them to tweak their procurement agenda to support social enterprise and make such a difference to the futures of social enterprises in their country. There's some great points there and absolutely right from that social procurement lens and the ease for corporates to really make some impact just simply by changing the way they procure and buy. If I can just jump in on that. Yeah. I always did that for us because we have in-store bakeries for Bread and Butter Project inside Woolworths Metro stores and they're called Scratch Bakeries, which is an innovation for a large supermarket chain to have a bakery that goes from flour to finished product Mm. coming out in the store, this beautiful, fresh, hot bread coming out every hour or so 
and it means that then we have these little mini factories and Woolworths is supplying the capital equipment. We have these beautiful little mini factories sitting in these stores where we can train. So mm. we've got more and more capacity. It's why we can now train 20 and more trainees a year. It's a fantastic way that you've been able to really help you know, deepen that impact by partnering in that way. So well done on that. So if we're to speak to other social entrepreneurs who are listening in now, other entrepreneurs who are really keen to create impact with their approach, what advice would you give to those that are looking to either start or grow the enterprise? And where have you been observing common pitfalls on your journey? My main advice, as I see these beautiful social entrepreneurs, because I get exposure to them through the Social Change Fellowship, yep. as I see them struggle with their economic model, with their business model, my main advice is to ensure you've got a solid customer proposition that will earn you sufficient trading revenue so you can fund at least 80% of your costs. Even a 20% gap is hard to fund every year, but if you can at least get to 80%, then you've got so much more freedom. And that needs to include the additional cost to service your social purpose agenda. For us, that's wraparound support because for refugees, they're coming with trauma, they need support. And so we need to fund that in bread and butter projects. So we have to cover the cost of that. And you have to cover a decent salary for the founder. It's not fair that founders often aren't paid. They're certainly paid mm. often below market. So factor that in. and really work hard and creatively around your business model so that you can fund at least 80% of the cost. The rest you can try to get from government, from philanthropy, but try to get the bulk of it, the vast bulk of it through your trading revenue. After years and years of strategy consulting, and before that I was in the corporate world, I think the most challenging business to run I've seen in my long career is social enterprise. Because you need a combination of commercial acumen because you've got to compete successfully with serious not-for-profit players. You, we compete with the big bakery chains mm. and then you have to have a passion for social purpose and then an ability to advocate funding, for example, for government support where needed. It's a really tricky skill set and you'll not be able to do it in one person. You'll need to harness a great board. You'll need to harness a great leadership team. So that's my advice, but don't let that thwart you because it's so monumentally rewarding at the same time. But that's my advice to social entrepreneurs. And I'm so excited to see these incredibly talented people that come through every year. I have the great pleasure of interviewing them in the Social Change Fellowship, and it's such a joy every year to do that. It really is, I think, some of the best parts of our work, right, and the exposure to these absolutely passionate, driven and skilled entrepreneurs who are out there to create change. And, Cindy, I've listed a bunch of different organisations that you're a part of. I'm keen to hear what inspiring projects or initiatives you've come across more recently which you believe are creating some really great positive social change going to go broad first and then narrow Excellent. after that. So look, I'm inspired by initiatives that help us all realise that we are connected. We're connected to each other. We're connected to our environment. And success is about much more than economic growth. Now, that's so easy to say, but it's hard for movements to get traction around that. So I'm impressed by people like 
the economist Professor Mariana Mazzucato's approach to the role of public sector in mission-driven collective innovation to address big societal changes like reducing fossil fuel reliance. If anyone hasn't come across Mariana Mazzucato, I I would recommend Googling her. And then closer to home, I'm excited about initiatives like Food Lab, and I'm on the advisory group of Food Lab. It's a food incubator for migrant food entrepreneurs. It provides training, a commercial kitchen space. It's got an attached community garden to help food entrepreneurs launch their businesses to sufficient scale, but in a circular end-to-end way. It, mm. and it grew out, actually out of it, it grew out of the environmental science faculty in Sydney Uni. It's now become its own um, separate entity. We've got a space now in South Strathfield. We're actively fitting it out. It's a great example of a collective and circular approach to disadvantage. So I'm so excited about the bigger movements that are unbelievably necessary to address the perils that we're in in terms of at a planetary level Mm. and also then the very specific, the very local initiatives that are real-world physical examples of addressing that. Yeah, great examples there, Cindy. So thanks for sharing those. And within your article for the listeners now, if you click on through to Cindy's article, you'll find a list of these different initiatives down the bottom there. So you can click on through and have a greater look at what's going on there. So to finish off then, Cindy, books, what books would you recommend to our listeners? I have an addiction of buying books. <laughs> I think I might be Booktopia's uh, and Audible's most loyal customers. Customer, I have loved Ian McGilchrist's Master and His Emissary, and I'm ploughing through Matter of Things. So both books are about the risk of allowing the left hemisphere of our brain to dominate. So the left hemisphere is focused it's literal, it's logical, it's concrete, it's confident to the point of arrogance. And while the right hemisphere, it can perceive our integration as humans with the complexity and mystery of the world around us. And if I think about that in the topic of social enterprise, pure profit maximization, which is what I did for most of my consulting career, it belongs to the left hemisphere led world. And social enterprise, belongs more to the right hemisphere-led world where we understand the massive importance of the impact that we have on the world and the complexity and mystery of how we have to integrate with the world and take full responsibility for our partner. There's some really great insight there. Can't wait to get into those myself. I haven't read those yet. Cindy, you've provided some really valuable insights today and it's been lovely to hear more about your experience. So thanks so much for sharing your really generous insights and time and we'll look forward to following your journey as you progress as well. Oh, brilliant. Thank you, Tom. And I'm so looking forward to Sue of 23 and seeing you there. Absolutely. Catch you on the other side of the world. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.